Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. I'm really excited now. Like the anticipation is <laughs> so exciting story. <laughs> we were just recording. Everything was going great and perfect and happy. We were jiving and telling you all these great things. And then the screen went black. <laughs> What's going on? My, my heart rate went up. I'm looking so frantically searching. Why is my computer of the screen black? Where did Laura go? And then I realized that the computer died. <laughs> That was our exciting adventure. No, it's appropriate. We are always on theme. <laughs> we are, are we? We are back, ready to go this week. We are talking about thrillers and kind of thriller and suspense as genres. We've talked about a lot of other genres and, and we might kind of touch on some of those in this episode, but we're kind of going to broadly talk about what are some elements of thriller and what does that mean for a story? So we've talked about mystery before yeah. and we've talked about adventure before and we'll link in those episodes and both of them do tend to have some overlap with thrillers in general there's kind of a Venn yeah. diagram that some of them can fit into but thriller is really defined by the feeling that it creates yeah the, if you don't have a thrill then it's not a thriller yeah, exactly <laughs> It has that feeling of dread, that feeling of anticipation. It might be excitement. It might be you're apprehensive of what's going to happen, but it definitely is that very visceral, very heart Heart goes up. Yep. Can't put it down type of feeling. And for mystery, mystery tends to be very cerebral. It might have thriller elements. It might, you might have a mystery thriller or a thriller that's a mystery, but knowing kind of the differences there. Yeah, you're mystery. solving a puzzle in mystery. And usually the pace yeah. is a little slower too. Like you have a pretty fast clip in a thriller yes. and your pace in a, in a mystery will often be a little bit slower, like little things coming Absolutely. in at, at a time. And yeah. And it's defined by surprise. And as I was doing some research, it's actually included in a lot of different places. Um, so if you look at anything about suspense or thrillers, it will probably come up. But Hitchcock basically said that surprise is you have two people sitting at a table. And I was going to read off. that quote. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'd <you pulled> it up. <laughs> and suspense is if you, during that scene, boring conversation is happening around the table. If you go underneath the table and show the bomb, that's suspense. You drag yeah. that out. Everyone knows they have that superior position. Characters don't know what's about to happen. But everyone reading or watching does. Yeah. Well, and especially if you, I, I think in that quote, he also talks about having a clock on the wall. And if you know yes. when the bomb's going to go off, yes. And you see this clock and you switch between these shots of the bomb and the clock and this normal conversation, and the, then the audience <laughs> is thinking, like, no, stop talking about meaningless things. There's a bomb there. Yes. And that is that like suspense and, and thriller feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. And when we talk about adventure, adventure is usually more on the excitement side. Mm -hmm. You feel like there's more of a safety net usually Mm -hmm. that adventure kind of keeps on that positive, like going to different and exotic locales, but usually you don't have that ax hanging over your head, which you have in thrillers. Thrillers is very much high stakes, very much anything could happen 
and probably the thing that will like end the world is likely to be the thing that you're trying to stop in the course of the story. Yeah, I found one definition that I thought was really good. It said that, that a thriller is a fast-paced, gripping, plot-centered story. Usually the pr- protagonist is in danger from the outset, and these fast-paced stories typically involve major threats. It's an attempt to prevent something from occurring, usually. Common elements like fast pace, action scenes, yeah. plot twists, prominent villain, like someone clearly evil or you know is going to do something bad, and, and that clock-ticking feeling, that ticking time clock. You know, it's 24, right? Like, it's like... Absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah, you got to stop the is, bomb before the yeah. bomb goes off. <laughs> the entire show 24 is basically sit down, watch 10 minutes of it, that is a thriller. Like, that mm-hmm. is the totally. feeling that you get, which is why I couldn't watch 24 for very long because it made me nuts. So anxious, yeah. <laughs> But I, I think even just getting comfortable with that emotion of like, okay, how does it make you feel? Yeah. And I think realizing that so many stories overlap with that. They might not be quantified as thrillers or categorized yeah. as them, but they have thriller elements to them. Yeah. But a thriller, it doesn't let up. Usually it's, you might have breaths in between, mm-hmm. but if the tension is broken, that usually is a thriller not working <laughs> rather than <laughs> rather than that, you know, oh, we have this moment usually that's pulling you through with that question from the beginning to the end. And yeah. usually it's something like, will they end up stopping whatever it is? Will this person end up surviving? Will, you know, this thing end up crisis being averted? I think that actually the Hunger Games is one. And I think mm-hmm. that it's will Katniss survive like yeah she's thrown in there like will she get out and I think knowing just that those elements are connected and that it's really it's a sandbox that plays with everyone like you look up the all the subgenres for it and I'm gonna read the list yeah, that's you okay. it's, like yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious and they actually don't list them all always so it's like there's crime thrillers there's psychological thrillers, espionage thrillers, political thrillers, legal thrillers, sci-fi thrillers, horror thrillers, mystery thrillers, domestic thrillers, romantic thrillers. And I would argue that YA, yeah, have YA thrillers, thrillers too. Yeah. yeah, fantasy thrillers. Absolutely. Yeah. It was really interesting looking at some of this because I felt like generally I would have said yeah, I don't read, really read the thriller. And then I started yeah. looking at the elements of thriller and I was like, oh yeah, I totally love thriller. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I love, I love my thriller to not be too real. <laughs> like, yes. I want my thriller in a fantastical setting or like, I like those elements in a fantasy novel. And I do like a little bit of let up on the pace now and then yes. to kind of balance it out. Otherwise, like, okay. my whole body starts right. shaking. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have enough anxiety I, in my life. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I was thinking of like, what is one of the most thrillery thrillers I've read Mm. in the last year? And Mexican Gothic came to my mind because that one just, it does not let up. And you have great moments, but it's like, oh, it just hits you like one thing after another. But that's an interesting one because it does feel like it falls a little more in that like psychological thriller. Like it's not action, but there is just that suspense that is right there. And it it borders a little on horror thriller too, I think. Yep. It also opens up the question of categories and are they kind of more arbitrary because she defines (laughs) it as a horror. And I appreciate her reasoning. I think it's 
a lot more accessible than most horror, uh-huh. at least from my um, opinion. But I I can see how she defines it that way. Mm-hmm. It's also called a gothic thriller, which I think is sure, is truly, you know, Rebecca, I think, would be a gothic thriller unless you call uh-huh. it a domestic one. There's unique elements that you can be basically say, okay, this kind of has these different elements to it, and it yeah. falls within this. Do you want to talk about some of those elements of thriller? There are several different, I mean, there yeah, are many there different are ways of defining sure. it. I was thinking of using Dan Brown's. Um, yes, and then, from Masterclass. But, That's what I have pulled up to. Perfect. Okay, why don't you go for it then? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've talked a little bit. I mean, the first one that he gives is that element of suspense. And we've talked a little bit yeah. about that, that kind of like what's going to happen. But then you also usually have a, a character that, is a hero. You have someone that the reader can root for and wants to see win or stop the thing or whatever it is. Absolutely. There's often a sidekick or a secondary character in these is common, often a romantic interest, but it's always secondary. It's never like the main plot or main part of the plot. A villain, you've got someone they're trying to stop, a bad guy, a event, whatever, but you have a very clear thing that they're working against in a thriller them a very clear thing that's working against them yeah these are plot driven stories typically like so that also means you have plot twists and things that are kind of you know surprise the reader a little bit to kind of reinvigorate the story uh, red herrings are another really common thing yeah. we've talked we talked a lot about red herrings when we did our mystery episode but they're common in thrillers too like kind of that misdirection cliffhangers is another thing he talks about and it's a little more like gimmicky but it is really common in thriller stories um, and but, then an exciting climax. It has to build yeah. somewhere. Like, and just like what I was saying before, like the thriller like won't let up, but it not only doesn't let up, it also like builds. That tension has to increase yes. over the course of the story instead of um, lessening. <laughs> they can't just like peter out. <laughs> yes. David Baldacci, um, who is a thriller writer, yes. basically says that it's it's a uh, roller coaster. Yeah. So you got can have the ups and downs, but it the ride can't end. Like, yeah. <laughs> the ride is, you give people a moment keep going to breathe, somewhere. Mm-hmm. you build it up again, and then you drop them again. And so just kind of the feeling of, <laughs> you said basically, if you go on a roller coaster and then you start riding, that's probably like <laughs> that, yes. you in that space of where it needs to be. And in fact, often yeah. they're like, yeah, we actually do some push-ups and like run around. I was just going to say, was yeah. he, I think I watched that. I, I did watch that masterclass, but I was trying yeah. to remember if he was the one who said he would sometimes like, if it, there wasn't enough suspense or enough like going on and he, his heart wasn't beating enough as he was writing, he would like get up and actually make his heart beat yes. and like do yeah. push-ups or jack, jumping jacks or go for a run. And like, that was fascinating to me that you could like spark that feeling in your writing by sparking it in your body. Yes. Like physiologically, but yeah. it does make sense. And he like that that editing process was a lot of you've let them basically you've let them breathe too much like you've kind of diffused your energy and it's about that retaining that energy retaining yes. the the pull of the story through and another kind of boiled down what dan brown really calls like the most important elements of yes thriller is that making a contract, basically making a promise that by the end, they will know something like your readers will have yeah. the answer to something. Will the I, bomb go off? I love how he talks to you about like, 
not just making like that big overarching promise, but also these like yeah. little contracts and little yes. promises where you're constantly like answering a question and then raising another one and, and constantly answering off. a question yeah. and raising another one. And so you just keep like building that suspense. But while, Absolutely. while building that suspense, you're still creating trust by answering some of those questions along the way. Yes. But you never pay off the big one yes. until the end. And then it's like, then the story ends. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good way of looking at it, that there needs to be that overarching, like the driving force of yeah. all this anxiety and apprehension is tied to that contract, to that main contract. Yeah. And then we talked about the clock, but the clock doesn't have to be a ticking time bomb. It could be so many different things. It could be someone is like leaving on a certain day and you need to, yeah. you know, they even talked about technically it could be a romantic one and you're trying to like race to catch them before they get on a plane. There's so yeah. many little elements that you can play with in terms of having a time frame that is key to get this information by. And this, that time frame could even be just the nature of what's happening around that it's like, you know, like again with the Hunger Games, that it's not necessarily that it's ending at a certain time. It's all of these factors that are going on at the same time. Yeah. You know that it has to end. Like it's not yeah, going to well, go on. Yeah, you know, on. more and more kids are dying, and like it's, absolutely, it's kind of end eventually. And if she's makers, not in that end. Yeah, yeah. They're running and playing with that clock of yeah. making sure that they have everyone's attention and focus, which I thought was fascinating. And then also the crucible, the fact that they cannot get out of the situation. There is no way to remove themselves, which yeah. could be both that contained mystery like and then there were none when they're on this island in this house and they can't physically get away or it could be just the situation that they are literally stuck in and can't get out the only way out is through that one was a really interesting one for me to think about because I think I often think like oh yeah my character was stuck but really like are they like <laughs> they just say like actually I don't care about this I'm just gonna go live my life <laughs> like go do something else because this is not worth the headache you know like you have to make it a headache for them and you have to make it really yes. horrible from the for them and if there is a way for them to get out of that most of us are gonna do that right like so right. You, you can't give them that out and it's harder <laughs> I think it's harder than we think it is to to really make them stuck in this thing absolutely and even you know when a reader even subconsciously feels like there's a way out. I know for me, yeah, it kind of takes away, it bleeds out the tension and it bleeds out that feeling of suspense of what's yeah. going to happen. Cause you're like, wait, why don't they just like go over here and pick <laughs> up a phone or something? <laughs> or just um, talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. As I was looking over this, there's a great video essay by Jordan Peele who wrote the horror thriller, Get Out. And he talks about that, about how to basically get your audience to believe why your character is still there, why they're not like running for the door. And he does a great job of explaining kind of how they very gently worked on, because basically this character is stuck in this situation that just keeps getting weirder and weirder. Why do they hang in there? And so I think paying attention to that, paying attention to the psychology of how invested are they in this situation? And when is it like, nope, I'm noping out. Like, when does that happen? And I think Get Out is actually a really great example of there's a hook for why he doesn't get out. And then there comes a point where 
there's not the ability to. And so I, I think looking at that of the, okay, how real is the crucible? How invested is this person in this moment? Like, yeah. like teasing through all of that to make it feel realistic. It doesn't have to be. I mean, sometimes that contained type of story can feel a little too neat and a little sure. like cliche that it's like, oh, they're in the middle of nowhere in <laughs> a cabin. And you're like, you're like, why? Like, yeah. yeah. Good to kind of play with that a little bit. Yeah. Do you have any uh, favorite thrillers? Yes. I have a lot, actually. <laughs> I have like ones by type. So I decided to bring in both movies and and novels because I don't read as many mm-hmm. thriller novels, but I love a thriller movie. I and feel I, like a movie is a little more um, contained, you know, like yeah. two hours of my heart racing, I can yes. handle a little more than 12 hours. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, like from the legal side, I love the Pelican Brief. I am just, it's one of those that the characters are interesting. It pulls you through. Um, yeah. You have interesting characters that you feel very invested in the outcome and having things happen the way that it unfolds it feels very natural so i i'm a big john christian fan in general like i love the client as well runaway jury is actually one of those the book and the movie which I don't is think I've seen that one. yeah it's about jury tampering okay. <laughs> um, but it's for a very interesting reason and Uh there's something that's going on that the crux of why it's going on kind of pulls you through and it's one that I just remember reading and I just loved Um, Mm. it just kind of grabbed you I am an espionage thriller fan I love the Born Identity series Um, I really enjoy um, Tinker Taylor uh, Soldier Spy by John LeCare um, he actually was formally in um, some form of espionage. So his are very, they feel very informed. Um, uh-huh. And Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy is actually a very old one, but mm. um, they did a movie fairly recently, which is also quite good. Um, Mission Impossible, Casino yeah. <laughs> Royale, the, um, the new Bond yeah. film. He... Like some thrillers, James Bond can be a cliche. And yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> a fun yeah. one now and then. <laughs> it can be fun. Um, what I love about Casino Royale is actually they took Bond and they made him really flawed and broken. And you're like, oh, he's exactly as he's always been. But now the writers yeah. know it. Yeah. Um, which I love that they give him a lot of edges and you really see how broken he is and not just that he's a guy with a cool car and a cool watch yeah. um, so that one it made me feel like actually invested in the character some mm-hmm. and i think that's with thrillers knowing when something has gotten old knowing when something has gotten cliched and subverting those expectations yes. changing it up making it interesting new again i think can be huge and so yeah mm-hmm. casino royale was one that really challenged that um psychological thrillers like memento the, yeah. the movie um, it's a great movie. i love that movie i mean it's clever from the working backwards but yeah. also from just how well they told the story both moving forwards and backwards mm-hmm. and how you get 
exactly why the character makes the choices he does with the information that he has at each point. It's a character who doesn't have any short-term memory, and so he has to go completely off of tattoos, notes, and those can potentially be manipulated. Um, so it's, sure. it's a fascinating story. Ex Machina. Um, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's a very interesting one about AI and about playing God in some ways, um, which is actually in a contained setting. And it's a very fascinating one. Uh, Alicia Vikander's in it. She's fantastic. Highly recommend it. Um, Gone Girl. Uh, mm-hmm. I've not read the novel of it. It's Jillian Flynn. Mm-hmm. But the the screenplay, which she also helped write, is a very interesting domestic, but also mm-hmm. psychological one that really looks at like humanity and relationships and the things that connect us and the things that disconnect us. And it's a really, she is very taut with her writing. Um, mm. And you can tell that from the screenplay. Knives Out, uh, which yeah. is that detective one. And it goes, it's a very interesting one that switches genres. I'm not going to say why, um, but it's a mystery thriller. Um, did I tell you that we watched that recently on, on your recommendation? You, <laughs> yeah, we finally did. Did you like it? Oh, yeah. I was was say, hey. <laughs> and if you look up any video essays, I'd highly recommend it, anyone who's watched it, to see where he splices in thriller beats, yeah. like where... It happens. Um, it's pretty fun how he kind of signals changes in the story with with even like physical things that happen that actually like signal the change, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, Blade Runner is another one, uh, kind of that. It's a, both a sci-fi and a noir um, that's basically looking at the difference between us and robots and uh, yeah. kind of cyborgs, um, which is fascinating and then i was thinking the maze runner is really a dystopian thriller i don't know if you've read that one yeah from the moment you get up you don't really yeah he rises and you're just like go you don't really know what's going on really crazy things are happening um and in fact he i think keeps that feeling of a thriller throughout all the way Mm -hmm. to the end um and even in some of the other stories that are not part of that trilogy as well and then I, I do think that the Hunger Games um, and even Six of Crows to some extent, you mm-hmm. know, I even think that things like Caraval feels like mm-hmm. it's a thriller. It's very dedicated to what has happened to her sister. Um, yeah. And it pulls her through the entire time. You have moments of breath, yeah. but you don't really let up. Um, so I think, That one is an interesting yeah. one, though, because you would think that the fact that you know it's not real would kill all the tension or kill the stakes, you know, but it doesn't at all. It's like, it doesn't. It's so fascinating. Well, I still can't be- figure out. <laughs> because reality is impinging on the yeah. story itself. Yeah, um, but you don't know how or in what way. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, I think the second her dad shows up, like, yeah, you get sure. that this isn't just a game. Like, yeah. there's... And I think that's part of why it works from the beginning is, mm. yeah, they might be going through a game, but their choices have very real stakes real in the real world. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think that first sequence with her sister, mm. um, where she gets hit by her dad very significantly, yeah. you get that he is someone who will 
who's not react yeah. in a very real way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get that the danger feels, you know, even if you don't feel it inside the game, which I think yeah. over time, again, it you start to you yeah. get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially as real things start to happen. But mm-hmm. I think that you get that outside ominous presence that there's going to be really real, real consequences to what they choose to do there. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. It's one of those that I think it's a great example of cliffhangers as well, of subtle cliffhangers Mm -hmm. that pull you through to the next chapter. Because a cliffhanger doesn't have to be like, and then the bottom Right. It literally could be that it's just you notice something and then the momentum of the scene shifts. And I think knowing that if we're talking about thrillers, the goal would be to keep people turning pages, keeping them engaged that's part of your draw which so, is really the goal with any yeah. book right like we want yeah. that in every book so i think there's so so much that we can learn from thrillers and suspense about how absolutely. to do that absolutely and knowing that there's ways in which you can do it to like dial it up to 11 and there's sure. ways that you can do it at kind of a lower more subtle way yes. um, and that both of those are very useful tools to kind of have it in the toolkit yeah Obviously, we've talked about like upping the stakes and making complications worse. But one of the things that I found interesting as I was kind of doing research, they were talking about twists, and they were specifically talking about the Silence of the Lambs, which actually isn't something that I've either seen or read. But I you found this seen it? fascinating. <laughs> no, I haven't. It's intense, but it is good. <laughs> well, done. Yeah. well done for sure. After hearing them talk about it, it makes me want to actually read it. Because one of the things that they talked about was looking at assumptions that the reader is making, that sometimes your twist doesn't have to be out of left field. It doesn't have to be like this crazy thing. Literally, it could just be hiding in plain sight. It could be an assumption that we're all making. Um, And so seeing where the subtle twist of what we assume would be important information or what we would assume is, oh, this was laid out this way. So it is this way. How to kind of find those kind of unique twists kind of hiding in plain sight. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, this has been an exciting conversation (laughs) (laughs) and hopefully you have some um, new thrillers to watch or read or check out and some idea of some of the ways that you can implement thrillers into your own stories, even if you're not writing a thriller. Um, or maybe you're going to try your hand at a thriller and, and go all in. So <laughs> we hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, we, we would ask that you would give us a review. That would be amazing. It helps other people find us. You can also find us on Instagram and follow us there where we talk more about all of these things, reading and writing and things like that. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you keep reading, keep writing, and keep putting your work out into the world. Thank you.